are you wanting to be more productive, get more stuff done, maybe delegate a little bit more? You guys, we have a stellar guest on the show today. I cannot wait for you to meet her. Let's get real. If you're running a brick and mortar business, raising some kiddos and juggling all of life's offerings, let's be real and call you what you are. You, my friend, are rebel woman. You've put your blood, sweat, and tears in creating a storefront that lights you up, serves your clients well, and contributes significantly to the community you love. You are my hero. And I'm pretty sure we could sit down and talk shop for hours because I get it. I have a brick and mortar business myself for over 12 years, a handful of kids, and a few passion projects that I love, like this one. Hey there, everybody. My name is Melissa Rose, and I am your visibility coach for brick and mortar businesses who want more clients coming in their doors. I have a passion for helping and serving those who are also living life on the edge, going for their dreams, and creating a legacy through their kick-ass business. In this podcast, we're going to share the nitty-gritty of running a successful brick-and-mortar business. We're going to share stories, we're going to talk strategy, and we're going to learn practical tips that leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to create the life of your dreams. Are you ready? Let's get real. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brick and Mortar Visibility. My name is Melissa Rose and I'm your host and I'm a little bit excited because our guest today is going to blow you out of the water. I am so excited for you to hear from her. Before we dive in, I'm just going to be super short. This is the time of year. It's February 15th when I'm recording this and you guys are going to hear it in early March. And it's that time of year when those New Year's resolutions slash goals start to feel heavy and hard. I get it. It happens every year. We kind of get excited. We're like ready to go. And then all of a sudden the winter seems longer and it's just hard to keep going. If you need maybe a kick in the pants, a little bit of accountability, maybe some encouragement, I invite you to check out my mastermind. It's a 90 day program where you are surrounded with other amazing business owners in a small group setting to help hold each other accountable to share wisdom, to give insight, all facilitated by me, along with guest experts that come into the group. Check it out at MsMelissaRose.com forward slash mastermind. This might be what you need to up-level your business in a short amount of time. All right, everybody. I am super excited for you to hear from our guest. In fact, grab a notebook, grab a pen and get comfy because you are going to want to take notes. Our guest today is my business coach, Stacey Tischel. Now, Stacy and I go way back. She doesn't know this, <laughs> but I started listening to Stacy six years ago when I was going through a big life change. For those of you that don't know, I started my business out of my basement teaching dance to students of all ages. I started this business after baby number three was born in 2009, and I grew it to a lovely side hustle. In 2015, life happened and I became a single mom of five kids. It was at that time I needed to figure out how to make my side hustle a business and not only a business, but a business that would provide for my family really well. So I leaned into all things learning and podcasts were free and money was tight. So I listened to podcasts and read books and just did all the things that they told me. And Stacy was a big mentor for me at that time. What I love about Stacy is that she is a Wisconsin girl as well. She's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She has a million dollar dance studio. She also now has a million dollar coaching program. So she is somebody that I admire 
and want to be like. And that's what we do, right? We look to who's doing it and we say, okay, she's doing it. I know it can be done. Teach me the ways. And she has been that for me. So I am grateful to Stacy for all the mentoring that she has done for me over the years. And luckily you guys get to share it because a lot of what I do is because of her and other coaches that I've had, but I am super excited for you to hear firsthand from her. If you have not checked her out, please go listen to her podcast, Foot Traffic, as well as um, her website, stacytushel.com. Everything will be in the show notes. Of course, I will also include her bio in the show notes and you guys stick around to the end because she has a great gift for all of you. So without further ado, enjoy this dynamite episode with my business coach, mentor, and friend, Stacy Tushel. Stacy Tushel, welcome to the Brick and Mortar Visibility Podcast. Thanks for having me, Melissa. I'm excited to be here. Yes, this is going to be fun. Um, so Stacy, I always like to have people start with an intro question, icebreaker question. And you started your business when you were really young. So it's kind of funny to ask this, but did you what did you want to be when you grew up? Like when you were really young? Yeah. So well, and what's funny is I started my business, but I didn't know I was creating a business. So I first went to school to be a teacher. So like when I started my business, when I was 18, I went to school. I thought I was going to be a math teacher. Really? Yeah. Isn't well, that, that makes sense. Well, that makes sense with how much you track your numbers and pay I attention know, I to like, numbers. You're yeah, analytical. Okay. So you wanted to be a math teacher, what, yeah. like elementary or high school or what were you thinking? Um, high school. I think I was thinking high school and then I started to get into it. And then, and then what's funny, I still didn't think I had a business. So even from there, I was like, maybe if I was like an accountant, that would make more money. I could be an accountant. I literally took one accounting course and I was like, that's too hard. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I just went to, I went to business cause I heard like, Oh, that'll be easy. You can get any kind of job. Like business is great. So I have a business and marketing degree. Interesting. Okay. I knew about the marketing aspect. Okay. Very fun. Very fun. Okay. So now tell our audience, I gave them your, my intro to you, but tell the audience who you are, what you do and who you serve. Yeah. So, so, okay. So back in the day, I, right out of high school, I did start teaching dance classes in my parents' backyard while going to school to get a real job, right? Just it was a passion side hobby. And it started to snowball where my family said, okay, I think this might be a business. I think you might be able to do something here. They were entrepreneurs. So they, what they saw was you got something, we don't know what, but you've got something. So I then three years in is when I finally realized, okay, I'm going to do this. Three years in, I incorporate, find a place to rent, start opening up my first studio. Today, that backyard story is going to be 20 years this summer, which is insane. Um, I now have two performing arts academies here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And about seven-ish years ago, I just started to more formally online, start to teach people how I did what I did. And, you know, how are you, how is your parking lot so full? And how did you grow through a recession? And just People started to naturally ask those questions. And because I, I am a teacher, I love to teach. I got really excited when people wanted to talk business. So that was really fun. Did you grow up taking dance lessons? No. So I started... Um, I went to a really small private school. And um, when I went to the public high school, my mom was like, you need to make friends. You should you know, audition for something or try out for something. And dance was the first audition. So I was like, all right, let's just try it. And um, I made the varsity dance team and I had never danced or been in a dance studio. Um, like my private little school, they had like a cheerleading team, which was nothing compared to, you know, what we were doing over here. But I make it 
And then obviously being on that dance team, people were like, you should go to the studio. And then my first ever studio, I was 15 years old. I love it. And then three years later, I'm doing my own thing already. I love that. Because people always ask me as a dance teacher, is it too late to start at 15 and 18? And some of the most successful people that I have been around started later. And I think there's, there's, you're just able to listen and take it in more. You don't need to start when you're three. Although I love my three-year-olds. All right. So you wrote a book called The Implementation Code. This came out in July, 2020. Yeah. And this came out, you didn't know it then that it was going to come out during when life was turned upside down. So why the book? Why did you write the book when you wrote the book? Tell us about that. So I think this was just one of those big questions I was getting asked all the time is like, how are you doing so much? How can you get all this done? And you've got a family and you've got multiple businesses and like, fill me in. Like I had this big secret, right? So I started writing the book. Um, I did finish the book though in the pandemic. So I obviously, I think I was like maybe uh, chapter four or five. I mean, I bring it up in the book, wherever it was. And it was this big, you know, pivot in the, in the book. But at the same time, we're always trying to squeeze that in. But in March of 2020, we, we'd never seen, you know, a way to squeeze more in than we ever had to. So it was actually the perfect time to write that book and to really think about what am I doing and how am I prioritizing and how am I removing things that, you know, once were important, but not important enough anymore to keep on as a priority. So perfect timing for the book as always, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that happens. But whether, you know, whether it's March of 2020 or it's today or it's five years ago, we always put on, take on more than we can chew, right? We're always overwhelming ourselves, stressing ourselves out. It's like our human nature. And I think the biggest thing for me was to really share with people how to make it look like you're doing it all and and doing all the things when it really, in reality, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than you realize. You are the systems queen. You have amazing systems. You have an amazing team behind you that helps with that. And you and I both coach business owners. And one struggle that I hear so much, I help business owners that are earlier in business and trying to hire on that first couple team members. And usually they're hiring too late. Like they need help a while ago. So they're overwhelmed and they don't know how to get that off their plate and, and train that person in. Do you have some tactical advice to give them? Cause that is one question people were asking me, like, ask her this, like, I am so busy. I don't know how to get it off my plate and get a system. How do you create a system when you're so overwhelmed? Yeah. So just know, like you said, when you need it, you've already needed it. So it just feels like you don't even have time to do it properly, (laughs) but doing it quickly isn't going to solve your problem. So you've got to really decide what is the system. There's something going on in my head that when I go to do this thing, I am doing it in a certain order. It's just probably not written down. It's just in your head. And you've got to really talk through what it is you do and how you do it and get it on paper, right? So that when you go to have somebody else step in, it's like they're in your brain and they're thinking for you. So uh, one of the best examples I use is, I remember thinking I could delegate anything, but the only thing I couldn't delegate was my travel. Like you could not book an airplane for me. I just didn't believe that I could teach anybody how to book an airplane because there's a lot of variables. Like I might be you know, deciding, is this just me? And I'm like going as fast as I can and as fast as I can come back. 
Or is this like, are the kids coming? Am I trying to fly the cheapest plane on Southwest? Or am I looking for a nice first? Like there's a million things, right? So I thought there's no way. And then my friend actually said to me, when you go book this next flight, record yourself and talk out loud what you're doing. Hmm. And literally as I did it out loud, I was like, there's a system. I never knew it before, but there's a system. I love it. So anything you are doing, if you could just do it and talk out loud on Zoom. Yes. See, even if you think it's just for you, just see what comes out, see what you're doing. And I bet you, you've got a system like tucked away. You just don't even realize it's there. Oh, I love that practical advice. That was great. I'm a big talker outer when I'm, when I'm doing something like through Voxer, like I'll, I'll box it out. And like, that's something that can be communicated to that team member to then document it, like just talk it out even, and then they can write it out for you. And then you can go back and forth to get started. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the loom video is a pop, uh, one I always talk about too, recording yeah. yourself with loom. The more you can show people versus just tell people, right. The more you can actually spot, like, so today we were on a call and somebody on my team was describing something. They're like, Oh, well, when you go to Instagram, there's these three little dots. And I could see the other girl like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I don't know if she's catching it. <laughs> so I just immediately said, Bella, just do a loom video for her and show her. Right. Because people, they don't want to look dumb. They want to be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And then it's like, wait, what, what did she say? I, I don't know. I don't, because it's like, you want to look good in front of that person. So I could just tell, I don't know that she's getting it. Just give her a video. She can watch it later. And then she just feels more confident. We know it's exactly what we're looking for. So the more you can show versus tell, the more you're going to get the outcome you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So this book is about getting it all done. Mm-hmm. Is there one code for everyone? No, I mean, obviously, as you, as you're going through the book, right? I want people to realize like, these are some tips and strategies, but we're all in different stages. We all have different priorities. We have different values, right? It really is trying to teach you. I always tell to my team, we can't just tell them what to do. We have to teach them how to fish, right? We have to teach them how to take this tool and use this as an asset and a resource moving forward. And that's what the book is. It's to get you learning how to assess, how to prioritize, how to decide what the next best step is for you. And that like, I love assessing myself. I'm constantly looking at where we're at, what could be done better? How could we fix it for next time? Right? If you look at that assessment as this negative thing, as this judgmental thing, as right, as like, oh, we could have done better. I'm looking at it as an opportunity. When mm-hmm. I see like that gap in where we are and where we could go, that's exciting, right? That's exciting because it, there's only up from here. So really getting good at knowing how to observe and assess where you're at and then seeing that as an opportunity for growth versus shaming yourself. I should have, would have, could have, right? Having all those stories and thoughts about you should be better. You could have done it that way. Like, let that go. Let mm-hmm. that go. You talk about in the book, four stages of business ownership. Could you talk a little bit about that and what sets the top apart? Yeah. So I think just in general, we are constantly thinking, I got to learn something and then got to do it. Right. Learn more, do more, learn more, do more. And then we're going, I'm doing all the things. I'm learning all the things. I'm buying all the things, right? I'm buying all the books. I'm buying all the courses. But why am I not getting the results I'm looking for, right? 
And when people started to ask me like, how are you doing so much? How are you getting so many results or, or growing so quickly? I started to really look at the way people were implementing and the way that I was implementing, right? And that's where like really coming up with that word or the phrase, the implementation code, right? So you've got to learn because we don't know what we don't know. We've got to do the implementation piece, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just the learn, do, learn, do cycle. It's really looking at how do I refine what I just did? How do I, again, assess the good, the bad, the ugly, and how do we make it better next time, right? And the refinement is not fun. And it's not the sexy part because we like to start things, not finish them, right? The refinement is where the gold, the magic is happening. The refinement is where the growth is coming. When I'm growing rapidly, it's not because of something new that I started. It's because I'm refining something I've already created, Mm. right? Mm. I was talking to one of my coaches yesterday and he literally said to me, you could make those two changes to an existing situation. I said, double your business easily. I'm like, I agree. Literally, I agree. Two minor changes, refinements mm-hmm. of things that we're doing well, but we could do way better, right? Mm-hmm. So the stage three is the most important stage. You will stay there for a long time because the refinement, I mean, some of the things we never get out of refinement. We are always improving. We are always outdoing. We're always looking at how the market has changed. But the next piece where... This is, this is crucial because a lot of times, especially when you're looking online, you see certain podcasters, you see certain people on Instagram and you're like, what happened to them? Right. At some point they thought they were on maintenance mode and they weren't there yet. And the maintenance mode is what keeps you in the game. So you learn, you do, you refine from doing. And at some point you're going to say good enough. And this is where the perfectionists hate that phrase, but I've got to say it. (laughs) Good enough. How do we maintain this? How do we keep this going while we work on the next new, exciting, fun project? Because we like to be starters, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got to be really careful because we like to jump from the learn, the do, back into the learning. And then we have a lot of unfinished projects. We have a lot of, I should say, we have a lack of production, a lack of growth, a lack of revenue, because we're always producing, but we're not finishing it. Mm -hmm. And then there's nothing to show for it, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got to keep learning. You've got to then do from that thing, refine those strategies, stay there. And the only way you go to something new is after you've got that maintenance plan in place. So think about this when it comes to social media. If you're on Instagram, And you are not right now doing reels, doing videos, right? Don't think about going to YouTube. You've got to maximize and refine your Instagram strategy and put it on maintenance before you jump ship. Because if you jump ship and you keep moving all over the place, you're just going to have an ineffective strategy. And now you're going to build the next ineffective strategy. You've not maintained anything and you're losing all the momentum of where maybe you did start. Mm -hmm. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. It does to me. It does to me. Um, cause I listen to you and know your stuff. Um, but can you, I think of your foot traffic formula, you've been doing that for so long. So can you tell us, yeah, tell us how you have refined that and you have zoned in on that for so long. And it's not just a six month thing. It's like, you've been doing that. So, so share a little bit about that. Yeah. So 
there's not too much we can teach business owners. Like there's only a few things that move the needle in the business. And the bigger we get, we just have to keep going back to the same stuff to continue to redo it. So the foot traffic formula is, you know, driving traffic, right? Getting more visibility. Touch is the next piece, which is getting leads, getting qualified leads, people to raise their hand. Transaction, clients, new sales, upsells, referrals, renewals, reactivations, right? It's the money piece. And then that secret sauce is tracking, tracking those most important numbers and using that data to move forward and again, refine. So we created the foot traffic formula maybe two years ago. And next week I'm attending my highest level mastermind with people that have been, and some of these people have been in the program for those two years, right? And I'm teaching the foot traffic formula. Mm. And you're thinking, why are we learning something we've known? Because they're, they're, again, what is more important than those four stages? And if we could just go in and refine what they've got going on in each stage, they could double their business next year. Mm. So a lot of times we're looking for the new opportunity, the new strategy, the new, the thing you've never heard of. And it's not that thing that's going to take you to the next level. It's the thing you already know and the thing you're already doing, but making it better. Mm. Like if you're looking for leads, imagine if you increased your leads by 10%. Imagine if you got like out of that, you know, however many people are showing up for the trials, the consults, whatever it is that you generate leads for. Imagine if you just increase the close rate by 15%. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. the numbers start to scale like crazy, right? So if you're looking for something new, you, you probably have everything you already need. Let's be honest, right? If you could just dial it in and refine Mm-hmm. that is where the secret sauce happens. And I'll tell you too, I mean, we've taught that formula over and over and over again. And I've never heard somebody say like, we're a 10 out of 10 in every category. I mean, it, it's impossible because even if you've, you know, you start working and you're at fives and then you're sixes and sevens, by the time you get to 10, you're going to go, there's a whole new level I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. There's a whole new strategy I could be doing now, right? The foundational pieces do not change. Mm-hmm. And that refinement stage is boring. It's, it's, it's totally nitty gritty. It's nitty gritty, but it's what sets you apart from the others. And it's the boring work, the day to day showing up consistency action that needs to happen. And, it, and it's not quick. It takes no. time. No. And we're, we're doing, we're getting back into our challenges. We had done them for a long time. We mm-hmm. took a little break. We really restructured some things and we're going back into challenges. And I said to my team, we're going to do them monthly. And every month, we're going to make a massive improvement to it. So the first one is not going to be the one we are envisioning, you know, a year down the road. But the first one is going to be the first draft. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take everything we learned from it and we're going to make it better. And who knows what we're going to end up with. But we are we are about to head in the refinement stage. And it's not the fun part until you track your numbers. And then it's fun because you're like, oh, wow, this is getting better. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We just increased our conversion rate. Oh, wow. Look how many people sign up this time. Then it starts to get fun. But in the beginning, the learning lessons, no, it's never fun to be like, oh, we could have done that better. We should have sent out more emails. We should, you know, uh, there's just a lot of, like you said, the boring stuff, the stuff that tedious stuff that somebody's got to do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so good. And that's where tracking numbers, the black and white proof for all of us to see. Because when you see those black and white numbers, y'all, that just helps so much and gives you the energy and motivation to keep going with the refinement, yeah. with the day-to-day. And that's what's so important. Well, I'll, can I ask yeah. real quick? So one of my team members said, I've got a, a new person 
and she's not making sales every day. I kind of think we should let her remove the daily tracking of sales because it's really demotivating to see zero dollars, zero dollars, zero dollars. And I said, no, she needs to see that there is nothing more important than making money. And if it's zero, 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 every day I need her to know what are you doing to make money? If you take away the number one tracker that we need in our business, which is make money, and we think there's something else more important to focus on, all of a sudden, your activities are being derailed to something else. I need her to see zero, zero, zero to get her in gear to go, what am I going to do today to produce revenue? Brooke Castillo just talked about this on one of her latest podcasts about the wins and the losses and tracking, paying attention to that. And that brings me to my next question with you with being busy versus productive. Yeah. Um, I think you can then become busy with um, other things when you're not tracking, when you're not paying attention and getting derailed um, doing the busy work versus productive work. But dive into what you mean by busy versus productive. Yeah. So... You know, let's, let's talk about this person, right? Who's not making money. So yeah. all of a sudden she starts to think, well, what could I put down? Well, like I could post on social media every day. And she starts to track the tedious work versus the important production. So she might be busy on social media, feeling like she's done something, feeling like she can check the box because she posted her reel. But if that didn't produce leads or sales, It's just a waste of time. And your busyness all of a sudden is no longer producing, right? So we want you to be productive. And that word comes from produce. So what are we producing? And is it moving the needle in our business? So we have an Instagram, somebody who has our Instagram, right? And when she says, we had a really great week financially, like a couple weeks ago. And she's like, you could tell in her face, but the in Instagram, we lost followers. <laughs> and she said it like she felt so bad. I'm like, listen, we made more money from Instagram last week than we have. And so I don't even care if we lost followers. And if you think that I'm judging you on followers, no way. Like the fact that you created content that got people to DM us to buy from us is so much more important than follower count. If anything, you might have did such great content that you repel the people that aren't good fits. And they were like, well, I'm out of, I'm out of here, which is even better. Mm-hmm. Right. So our engagement was up. Follower count was down. Revenue was up. But because we are so brainwashed to think Instagram growth means dollar symbols, right? Like, or Instagram growth just means success. She felt bad coming to me that week to show me her KPIs. As the leader, I have to remind, I'm not here for Instagram followers. I am not here to hit the next big milestone, right? I am here to use that platform to attract and repel, right? The right person who needs to hear my message that I'm going to change their life when they start putting these systems into place. That's what I'm here for. And we did that that week, right? So get really clear on what are we doing here? What is the mission? Is your mission to get Instagram followers or is it to whatever your mission statement is, right? right. Really, really get crystal clear and make sure your people know that. Yes. Yes. All right. You, um, we have resourcefulness. We, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that because that's one of my um, words from my studio and the people I want to work with and be around, be resourceful. So can you explain what resourcefulness is and how it relates to getting things done? Yeah. I, I did a, a real 
on this. And it was like, is it a sign or is it a test? Okay. So people, I love when people say like, oh, it's a sign I shouldn't do this. Or it's a sign. I'm like, is it a sign or is it like a test to see how bad you actually want it? Right. There's a lot of things that I could have interpreted as a sign in my business. But instead I said, God is testing me to see how bad do I want this? And am I serious? And because I kept going, because I kept being resourceful, I got the outcome I wanted. How many people are interpreting something as a sign not to do something, right? Versus moving forward and going, how bad do I want this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think being resourceful is one of the best characteristics you can have because it just shows like you're in it and you're going to keep going. You're going to figure it out. You know, when somebody says to me, well, you know, my spouse is giving me until Christmas, you know, to see if this is going to work or not. Right. My, my first thought is, well, if you've already got an outcome where it doesn't work, a potential outcome where it doesn't work, it's probably not going to work. Like if I didn't have this business, I would keep figuring it out. Or if the business started to tank, I would keep figuring it out or I would just start a new business. Like I would never in a million years be like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be doing this. I probably should go back and get a job. Like, no, it's just figure it out. Go to option A, then B, then C, then D. How bad do you want it? There is always a next step. There is always another way to do it. There's always somebody who can be like, oh, that happened to me too. Here's what you should do, right? You got to look, you've got to be open. You've got to look for the tests and be okay, like going through the tests mm-hmm. and say like, oh, this is just another way to make sure I'm, I'm committed, mm-hmm. right? That I'm here, that I'm in it. I'm not going anywhere. I think people get really discouraged really quickly. And then it's just easier to give up. It's easier to go. Maybe that's not for me. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a sign. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And then they become scared. Okay. And then that leads me right into the next question. People are fearful. And they, they get stuck and by being stuck, it just perpetuates the fear and holding them back. So can you give us a few tips or practical ways to walk people through fear? Yes. So first fear of what, right? A lot of times it's fear of what people will think, fear of failure. And a lot of, even that failure, fear, fear of failure, who are you afraid to fail in front of your mom, your kids? you know, your high school friends that are going to see you on Facebook posting that your business shut down. Like, who are we talking about? Right. I think we're all motivated by different things. And some of us care more what people think than others. Right. But there is always some sort of fear, whether it's that next level, right. The fear of the unknown, the fear of the uncertainty, like really do some digging and observe and just watch the way that you're behaving and figure out what is slowing you down. What are you thinking about when you want to do something, but then you don't? What was the reason? Like, no one's listening. Just do it. Figure it out for yourself. Because until you kind of move through that specific obstacle, it will come up over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right? And I have so much fear around so many things, but I just do it anyway. Right? Like, anything I've never done before, and there's an identity shift, right? All of a sudden, I'm like... I'm a dance teacher and then I'm a dance studio owner. And then all of a sudden I'm teaching people with businesses and then I'm an author. And I'm thinking every time, what are people going to think of this? Are people going to think she's an author? She wrote a children's book. Like what? I didn't even know she did that or that, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking things like that. 
But then I go, well, the wrong person's going to think that, but the right person's not going to think that about me. I'm going to do it anyway. And there is going to be somebody that I'm going to serve and that's going to benefit from me pushing past the fear anyway, right? I think, again, it's like when you see that fear and you just like let it be a sign and you let yourself be paralyzed and you stop, who is winning in that situation, right? So just really think about why am I slowing myself down? Why? And and is this a pattern? Do I do this often? And at Mm -hmm. some point, you got to just rip the Band-Aid off and go for it. Mm -hmm. I read this quote this week, um, stop caring what people think and stop thinking that they care. And that was like, oh, so freeing. Just remember, remember. So business owners, solopreneurs, people with a really small team, they have a lot of things on their plate. Mm -hmm. Um, Balls in the air, things they want to get done. So what are three tips for productivity that you could leave our audience with? Yeah. So productivity is definitely something I like to focus on. and I like to get stronger at, but I will warn you, this will be tip number one. (laughs) Don't get so productive that you're just squeezing in 80 hours worth of work and 40 hours worth of time, because that's also exhausting, right? So the more productive you get, I don't want you just doing three times the amount of work you should be doing in a week because mentally, emotionally, physically, it is a lot. And I had fallen into that trap. I was so good at productivity. I was like, why am I leaving so exhausting? Like, I felt like, you know, I'm putting in like maybe a six hour shift, seven hour shift, nothing crazy. And, but I felt like I was getting, you know, four times what everybody else was doing. And it was because I was learning how to do it so much and I was getting stronger and smarter and more productive, but it was just leaving me feeling exhausted at the end of the day. So slow down, take breaks throughout your day, recharge. If you've got to squeeze at the end of your day, a 30 minute, 20 minute, 15 minute walk, meditation, something just to like, especially if you, ha- if you have a home office situation and then you just step out and your mom, right? Or dad, or you've got to be really careful because we don't ever shut off. It's just like, go, go, go from one to the next. So putting in a little break in the middle of your day or between changing hats will help your productivity so much. Okay. So that's, that's a big one. Number two, I would say doing regular time audits. I don't know about you, but I have this cycle of like cleaning up my calendar, feeling real good. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, how did that get back on there? How am I doing the same old, same old that I said I wasn't going to do? So about every 90 days, I do a time audit to look at, is this the right thing on my calendar? Is this, is this still a yes? Or have I up leveled certain boundaries? Do I need to stop doing that one thing? Do I need to remove it? Do I have to say no? Um, do I need to reschedule? Do I need to say yes, but only if I can do it X, Y, Z, right? So I think just really doing that constant evaluation of what is going on the calendar. And then um, even kind of staying there a little bit, my third tip will be really multiplying your time by keeping the things that need to stay that really only you can do. But then where do I find ways to multiply my time without it being me? Is that hiring a virtual assistant? Is that hiring somebody for an hour a week or sorry, an hour a day, five days a week, right? Just like five hours off my plate. Um, maybe it's hiring an agency or hiring somebody to relieve some of that, right? I love the phrase, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. And a mm. lot of people don't have help. So they are doing work that can be done by somebody at a much like a lower entry level, not at a CEO status, mm-hmm. Right. So we've got to be really, really careful because if, if the CEO is doing social media, 
customer service. I mean, never, never, ever, right? It's just, you are too high level that you've got to be focusing on high level stuff. You've got to get that other stuff off your plate. So not being afraid to delegate, really allowing, even if it's just a small, bringing on a contractor here and there, getting a freelancer, Upwork, things like that. You got to just take that next step. Mm-hmm. And I would echo that by, it doesn't have to just be in your business either. You can get help inside the home to relieve some of that stress because let's face it, most of us are moms. A lot of us are moms, partners, have other people that we're caregiving. So if we can relieve some stress or busyness in our life in the home as well, that helps our business as well. So get it where you can, get help where you can. Stacy, I didn't say much because you just um, knocked it out of the park as I knew you would. <laughs> um, where can people get your book? Yeah. So um, you can go to implementationcode.co forward slash free book. Uh, you just pay the shipping. We will send it to you. Um, it will cover uh, the book itself. If you DM me on Instagram at Stacey Tushel and you literally say book, I will send you the digital copy for free. Awesome. Wow. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And then my podcast is Foot Traffic. So that's another great way to find me. It is a great way to find her. You guys, I have been listening to Stacey for about six years. We figured that out before we went on live here. And I I owe a lot to you because I've listened for many years and I have applied so much of what you do. I feel like um, I regurgitate so much of what you say to my friends in business and um, you've helped me so much. So I have to thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. So grateful for you. Stacey, what is one thing right now that is saving you? It can be anything personally or professionally. Oh, I'm going to say always having a vacation on my calendar. (laughs) (laughs) You are so good at that. Right? Just knowing like I'm going here this day, it's coming up warm, especially because we're recording this and it's the middle of winter in Wisconsin. So I think just knowing like warm weather is coming, it's here, time to recharge, take a break. And I've got some good ones coming up. So I'm excited. Good, 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 good. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on the Brick and Mortar Visibility Podcast. We appreciate you and um, everybody check her out. I adore her. So thanks. Thanks, Melissa. All right, everybody. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Peace. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh, you're still here. You are such a rebel woman. I have to meet you. Come on over to the Rebel Women Tribe on Facebook, created for brick and mortar business owners just like you. In this group, we empower, encourage, and support each other. And every week I come in and share with you a tip, tool, or strategy that I'm learning in my brick and mortar business to help you in yours. And you guys, this is the real stuff, the nitty gritty in real time of what's going on. So come on over to the Rebel Women Tribe on Facebook. I can't wait to meet you.